Awesome. You can be seated. That's awesome. Who's fired up to be at church today? Yeah. Got some fired up people in the house. Man, it's so awesome to be with you again. It's been about three and a half years since I was here. Last time it was uh, August last time. It was about 7,000 degrees when I was here last time. And so it's a little more uh, manageable temperature this time. And uh, I did hike in the Palo Duro Canyon again to the lighthouse. It was awesome. And it was not 106 degrees like it was the last time I hiked that. So that was awesome. I got to spend some time with some of your leaders on Friday night and on uh, yesterday. And it's just amazing to see how God continues to grow this fellowship. uh, Spiritually and numerically. And that is incredible. And before I dive into the message today, I want to say that that is the harvest of when you have invested financially and with your prayers, your time, your energy, and your talents, that there is an abundant spiritual harvest happening in this place because of that. And so I'm super excited to be able to see that and excited to be in this series called Reset. Uh, and and the, in this thing called Reset, it brings to mind a lot of things about resetting lots of things. Uh, one of the things I thought of immediately when Pastor Richie was sharing this series with me was about like my garbage disposal. I don't know if you've ever blown the garbage disposal, uh, but there's a red button on the bottom, and I didn't know that back in the day. And so I just thought it had broken, and I, I, just, I just thought it was broken, and it didn't work. And then I found the magic red button on the bottom, and everything was good again. I, I've also had the time with the plug-in in the bathroom. Have you ever had that happen? And you blew it, and you didn't know that there's that reset button in the middle of it? And, and so we're going to work on resetting today. Uh, before we do, uh, I understand you guys share a declaration here. And so we're going to share the declaration together. Are you ready to read this with me? Are we going to stand up and do that? That would be awesome. I love this declaration. Every church in the world should do this. Let's go. Let's say it together. God is who he says he is. I can do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. Let's pray. God, I pray for every person here today. Give them clarity in their next step. Give them freedom. God, wherever your spirit is, there is liberty. May we rejoice in the freedom you give us. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Be seated in the name of the Lord. Man, I'm fired up. Woo! It's hard not to be fired up when you're at Amarillo Fellowship. Got some fired up and wired up people. Today, we're going to talk about money. Oh, I thought that would kind of calm it down a little bit. Uh, They say that money is fun when you have some. Is that true? And money, we know, will not buy happiness. Is that true? We see lots of people with lots of wealth, and they are not happy. But I will tell you that lack of money can sure cause sadness. Is anybody a witness to that? And so here's what I'm passionate about. My calling in my life is to help people live what we call a fully funded life. And our definition of a fully funded life is being able to do exactly what God has put you on earth to do, watch this, regardless of its cost or the income it might generate. I mean, I've met so many people who have a calling in their life, and they have allowed this one thing to stop them from doing it, and it's called money. They they will talk God literally out of the calling in their life. God's calling them to start a business, and they're like, I can't give up my guaranteed income at this job for the risk of starting this business. And for 20 years, they have not done what God has called them to do. I've seen people who are called to youth ministry, and they go to a private college. They get a youth ministry degree. They get $100,000 in student loan debt because we know that youth ministry is where you go to make all the big money. 
and they say, you know what, I need to pay back this student loan debt, and I'm just going to get a J-O-B for a little while to pay down this debt, and then they meet Mr. and Mrs. Wright, and then they have kids, then they get a house, and 20 years passes, and they've never been able to do their primary calling in their life. I come today to do business, to be able to help you do whatever it is God has placed in your heart. And hear me on this, I'm talking about the dream that you've never shared with another human being. I'm talking about the dream that is in the core of your soul, that you have refused to share with another human being for fear of what they might say, or for the fact that, they might, that you're fearful of the cost, or what you might have to do to be able to do that. Be, see, we want you to live a fully funded life, but to do that, it's going to require many of us to reset our finances. And I'm going to look at a parable that Jesus shared in his word. It turns out that the Bible is the greatest money book ever written. How many of you know that? Did you know the Bible talks more about money than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined? Did you know that? Did you know of the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that of those verses, one out of six talks about money or possessions. When you look at the parables Jesus shared, and we're going to look at one today, when the parables, they're red letters in my Bible, uh, there are 38 of them documented in those Gospels. And 17 of them, Jesus used money or possessions to illustrate the point he was trying to make. And I think it's because he knew that we all would deal with money. And it's something really important for us to think about. The parable we're going to look at today is Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to summarize the story that Jesus shares, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. Uh, Jesus shares in this parable, many of you know it commonly as the parable of the talents. And in this parable of the talents, Jesus says that there's an owner, he's got some stuff, he's getting ready to go away for a while, so he entrusts his stuff to three different managers, three different servants. And to one he gave five uh, some say talents, and others says bags of gold, different interpretations of the Bible. But five units of wealth to another two units to another one. The guy with five, he doubled his. He got the good job thumbs up from Jesus. Uh, the guy with two, he doubled his. He got the thumbs up, the well done, the good and faithful servants. The guy with one, what'd he do, Bible scholars? He buried his. He did not get the well done and good and faithful servant. And today we're going to look at this great story to be able to understand the spiritual implications of what it means for us to manage the resources God has placed in our hands and to see what we might be able to do to get our finances and our decisions in alignment with God's word so that we can live a fully funded life. If you're taking notes today, I'll share the first point is that we all have to deal with money. This is the truth. Now, there, truth be told, there are many of us here today, um, it's kind of a thing for us. We like to budget. It's awesome. It's so logical. We love math. Our heart goes pitter-pat when we hear the word budget. Um, raise your hand if that's you in the house today. That's right. It's three people. That is awesome. There's many others in the house, though, the vast majority, who when they think of math, they think of seventh grade math class, and they believe that Satan L. Lucifer himself invented math, and they break out in hives, and you would rather run a 26-mile marathon than deal with this money thing. Can I get a witness today? But we all have to deal with it. And watch this. Money has rules that God has established. That word rules. They're in his playbook called the Bible. And that word, as we just said in our declaration, is true. And when we use those rules, 
and we follow God's leading in our life, God will bless that. And if we do not know the rules, what we do not know can absolutely harm us in our financial journeys, and it can prevent us from living out God's call in our lives. You think about this for a minute. When we hear about money, some of us, we just run away. We want to run that marathon. We're pondering, hey, I have a choice. Deal with money or get hit in the head with a two-by-four. I think the two-by-four would be pretty good, right? Just swing a little less than you normally would, right? But watch this. Because of that, we abdicate responsibility. And as a result, we've ran from hearing about money. Every time we hear about money, blah, 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 and we run away. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. We know everything there is to know about our favorite reality show. We know what's happening on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Survivor, Lost. We know every single show about friends. We know about The Office. We know about bird cages, or I don't know what it is on Netflix. We learn bird boxes. I don't know what it is. Yet we do not know about the very thing that will allow us to move forward towards the call of God in our life, our finances. Let me tell you something. You know everything about the Cowboys. You know about all the roster. You know everything about my favorite team, the Colts. You know all their stats. And it doesn't affect your daily life at all. And yet you shortchange yourself by not paying attention to your financial picture. Listen, we have to recognize today we all have to deal with it. And let me tell you, every person in this house, we carry something called money wounds. You have them, I have them. And these are things that have happened in our past that inform us about money. And if we're not careful, careful we'll believe them and they are lies. Let me, let me unpack it. If you grew up in poverty, you believe in scarcity. You believe there's just not enough. You grew up with that. But that was dysfunction within that family that you grew up in. That's a money wound. There's other people who've had money used to have control over you. Or they used it to try to make you make decisions that, you didn't, that God was not leading you to make and may have been ungodly decisions. And you, you view money as a negative use of force or a tool to be used against people. And other people, you've experienced positive things with money. You've been blessed. Others have been generous with you, and they've blessed you with things. And so you have to understand what informs you. And I will tell you, when I started out in life, I had no knowledge about money. Nothing. I grew up in a family of six boys. I am the youngest. In fact, my parents, they had four boys. They really wanted a daughter so bad. They really wanted a daughter. And so in 1973, or late 73, early 74, my parents were expecting their fifth child. They begged God for a daughter. God, please, we've got four of these boys. We can't handle any more medical bills from them saying, hey, y'all watch this. Please, Lord, send us a daughter. Please, Lord, help us. And so it was March 31st, 1974, at 10 o'clock at night, my mother's in labor to deliver their fifth child, the prayed for daughter. And the nurse was listening to the womb with a stethoscope. And uh, what's the day after March 31st? This is seen to the womb with the stethoscope. April Fool's Day. And so the nurse is listening to the womb with the stethoscope, and she got this panicked and perplexed look and raced out and got to the doctor and said, there's something wrong with this baby's heartbeat. I don't know what's going on. And the doctor listened, and he broke out in a big, giant, broad smile and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And my mother did not laugh. My mother said what I think any mother would say in that moment. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I am going to have one baby, and it's going to be a girl, or I'm sending it back. 
I have witnesses that she said this. And so about a half hour later, an hour and a half before April Fool's Day, my identical twin was born, was born and seven minutes later, I was born. Yes, she didn't cheer either. She cried. She cried and she says, the Lord has spoken. If we try to have a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. We are done. So I'm the baby. And so my dad said he used to drive this 1974 Delta 88 Oldsmobile Royale. Woo, land yacht. If, if you don't know what a 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale looks like, Google it after the service. It will bless you. It was a very large land yacht, kind of floated on the ground. And, and so he would stuff all six boys in the back seat. And like, how many of you know there's not six seat belts in the back seat? So we didn't have seat belts. You remember when you just like, ran around in the car? It's unbelievable. Just as long as you didn't go up front because you would enter, get hands swatting at you. And so me and my twin, because we were the babies, we had to choose between sitting on the hump. Anybody know about the hump? Yep. Or the back window, right? And, uh, and so we grew up in that. My dad said he remembers looking in the rear view mirror and he would see these six little beady sets of eyes staring at him. And he'd be like, oh my goodness, we're not going to make it. How in the world do I feed these kids? And then he had inspiration and he said, I know, we'll grow our food. And he put us to work in gardens. And I don't know if you've been blessed to grow your own food. But I've had my life ruined several days during the summer growing up by green bean picking day. Has anybody had green bean picking day? And I mean, did your parents consult with your schedule? They didn't consult with mine. And so your life's ruined. You're picking these green beans, right? And you hate every one of them because you have to come back later and either snap them or string them, right? We'd put up 100 quarts of green beans a day. And we would have green beans basically every meal. Right? How do you want your eggs at breakfast? Here's a scoop of green beans. Right? It's amazing. What a great combo. But I grew up and we we never talked about money. We didn't miss for food because we grew it. But we had nothing extra. And so I started my money journey when I went off to college. And I, I went to Purdue University to study mechanical engineering. It's a little north of Indianapolis, a little south of Chicago, Illinois. And I went to Purdue, studied mechanical engineering, and my first weekend there, I started dating Sally Mae Student Loan Company. See, I know Sally Mae or Navia, a federal direct loan. Am I dating her right now? Today is the day you break up. It's time for liberty. And I financed all my college education. And my first weekend there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. And I filled them all out, every single one of them. I was a truthful. What's your name? Joseph Sangle. What is your income? Zero dollars. What is your job? I do not have one. And I got a free two liter of Coke. That's good wages. I got a t-shirt from AT&T that advertised their long distance service. For real. That used to be a thing. The millennials are confused. Right? Long distance? Yes. It used to cost you money to call somebody on the other town. Who here bears wounds from your parents for talking on long distance too long? See? See, millennials, don't get... Think about spending too much on data, right? Something like that. And then I got a duffel bag from American Express. And I admitted that I had no job and no income. Do you think they sent me a credit card? Yes. And so a week later, I got a credit card. And the next day, I practiced with it. Because I had no knowledge. And uh, I should have employed that wisdom from that great kid show that says, swiper, no swiping, right? Come on, vamanos, everybody, let's go, right? 
But I had, so I had, I had student loan debt now, I had credit card debt, and I graduated after four years with a degree in mechanical engineering. Barely graduated. Some people graduated magna cum laude or summa cum laude. I graduated with less than when I was called thank the laude and escaped. <laughs> I had a 2.64 GPA. And uh, I, I didn't get a single A in a single engineering class, just to be honest. So, so then I, I, uh, I had met this girl in college, and I asked her to marry me, and she said yes. So Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski, the Chicago Polish Southsider, said yes. So I financed the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica all on the credit card. How many brilliant financial decisions can one person make? I'm just sharing what, where I was at. I had no knowledge of money, so I continued it. I bought a truck, because I'm sure in that lost book of the Bible called First Book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 2, it says every guy needs a truck. I'm sure of it. They just haven't found it yet. And uh, I bought a truck, 100% financing. I bought a new car, 105% financing. I even financed the sales tax. And then I bought a house, and that was the debt of another size. And then I needed furniture, so I bought it 24 months, same as cash. And I forgot the fact that we all have to deal with money. And I refuse to deal with learning about money. I refuse to read God's word and what it said about money. I grew up in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night was youth service and my mother suggested we go. I mean, she knew we needed prayer. And yet I never once heard the word of God proclaimed about anything related to money other than give. Yet God still retains ownership of the rest. God owns it some, all. And we all have to deal with it. I want you to be able to win with your money and have a fully funded life. We have to deal with it. We have to recognize it. And I, I think we'll all agree I needed a reset in my financial management. Can you agree? If so, say yes. So let me testify today what God did in my life, and I see a great correlation in this parable Jesus shared. The second thing that I want to share is that God has blessed each of us. Oh, that's good. Some people amen that. You are blessed. Listen, let me tell you right now. You live in the land of opportunity. This is a country where you can go from nothing to having something, and if it all goes bad, you can declare bankruptcy and start over again. It's unbelievable. I mean, God has blessed each of us. I mean, we live in a country that is so unbelievable that many of us have houses for our cars. It's called a garage. Like, for real. And that house for our car is bigger than most people's houses that they live in around this world. That's amazing, isn't it? God has blessed each of us. And the fact is, what are we doing with what he's given us? In Matthew 25, 14 through 15, it's the start of this parable Jesus shares. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. And read these next five words with me. Will you read them with me? Let's go. Each according to his... Woo! Get fired up. Leave it up there for a second. There are people in the house today, you're praying for more. Anybody praying for more? You need some more for the vision God has given you. Okay, watch this. This is the answer. Do you see it? He gave how? Each according to his If you want more to manage, increase your ability. The owner who owns it all, let me help you. In church, the answer if the preacher asks a question is yes or God. So if you just say yes, God, you're going to get like an A. Okay? So who owns it all? Yes, yes, God. So I hear the sarcastic people. That's awesome. And he recognizes our ability. 
And he will give according to what he can trust you to manage. And so we, we, it continues. It says, then he went on his journey. You see, God has blessed each of us. And we need to be able to manage what God has given us well. And one of the ways that I had to start improving is I had to stop plugging my ears anytime somebody talked about money. I had to stop running away from it. And I had to lean in to the weirdness of it. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? Like when we hear a lot of people talk about like things investing and stuff, it's like hearing Charlie Brown's teacher go, wah, 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 wah. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what they're saying. Let's go out to eat on a credit card. And then it's like answering an endless riddle. People ask you a financial question and then they give you the answer and you don't know anything they said. Have you ever been there? It's like answering this question. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes does it take to cover a doghouse? <laughs> there is an answer. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes does it take to cover a doghouse? The answer? It doesn't matter because the chicken doesn't eat ice cream anyhow. <laughs> Do you get it? No, you don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And how many of you, that's how money is for you, Right? <laughs> And I said, I have to deal with this. And the way that I started dealing with it, let me give you some practical tips. I, I sought counsel in my life. Proverbs 15, says, plans fail for lack of what? Counsel, lack of knowledge. But it says, but with many advisors, plans succeed. Plans fail for lack of knowledge, for lack of counsel. Let me ask you a question today. Are you trying to do your money journey alone or do you have wise counsel in your life? You will go farther with a coach And if you share the dream God has placed in your heart with them, they can help propel you towards your dream. They need to love Jesus. They need to love you. They're not constantly trying to transfer money from your pocket to their pocket, right? They're winning with their money God's way. And they love, listen, when somebody has been blessed of the Lord, they know it was the Lord who did it. And they will love nothing more than to testify as to what God has done in their life and share whatever knowledge God has given them. Let me tell you, that is the sign of a generous person, those who share the knowledge and the testimony of how God has moved in their life. Amen? See, God has blessed each of us, and one of the greatest blessings is people around you. It's those relationships. You cannot do life alone. In Matthew 25, verses 16, we pick it back up. Jesus says, the man who'd received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more, but the man who'd received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Let's leave the scripture up there for a minute. There are clues that Jesus shares here. Because when I read this, I see a double principle. The guy with five, what did he do? Doubled it. The guy with two, what did he do? He doubled his. Don't you want to know from Jesus how they doubled it? Anybody want your resources to double? I'm in. I'm in. Versus it going in half, I'd rather it double, right? All day long, twice on Sunday. Now watch this. He tells you how. Look at the passage of Scripture. We see two clues. It says he went at once. He did not sit around waiting. He moved. The Bible says walk and pray. Move. you got to move. you got to take a step. And number two, it says he put his money to work. It's an investing principle. In the King James Version, it says they put it to the exchangers. The New York Stock Exchange. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange. It's an investing principle. They put their money to work. Farmers know this. They invest seed in the ground, and they get a harvest later, don't they? 
They don't put one seed in the ground to expect one back. They're expecting the 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold return. That's what happens. That's the clue. So if you want your money to start growing exponentially, you got to go at once and you got to put your money to work. Hugely important. And so when I I look at this, I have to ask some questions. I'm going to scoot up a chair to ask these questions. We're talking about resetting. So can I ask a question? See, the answer in church is yes. And some of you are praying fervently. I don't know what the question is. You ready? Over the past year, how have you done with what God put in your hands? Some of you are smiling. Others, you're averting your eyes. You're very focused on your phone. Right? So let me ask you a question. Is it time to reset? I'll never forget I had a reset. I said, you know, one year from now, do you want your answer to be the same or different? Do you want a doubling in your life? Do you want a resetting in your life? Do you want to be able to be generous to any who who you see who have a need? Do you want to be able to be more generous and build God's kingdom work? Listen, we all do. We're given, we're created in the image of God. He's the greatest giver ever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who gave his one and only life. That he might be able to give us the free gift of salvation. That we might be able to have our sins forgiven. That debt of sin paid. Do you hear all that financial terminology? Woo! And so, I remember this moment happened in my life, and I said, I need to reset. And so, I started reading God's Word. I started voraciously consuming it. I just read it. I started in Proverbs, and I saw Proverbs 22, 7. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower servant to the lender. And I saw in Proverbs 13, 11, it says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And Proverbs 13, 22, that says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. And I read in Proverbs 15, 22, that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. I read in Romans 13, 13, 8, that let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. In Luke 6, 38, that says, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And I read all this stuff and I put it in my heart and I started having a reset, baby. <laughs> Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. And I'll tell you, I had a reset. Things started happening. In fact, I got to be able to activate this fruit of the Spirit called self-control. And we started saying no. No to more debt. No to swiper. Keep swiping. I said no to all of it. And God started to make the debt disappear. In 14 months, we paid off all of our debt except for our house. Four years later, we were able to go full-time on staff at our church. And we got to negotiate ourselves, watch this, a 50% pay cut. Woo! You know Why? Because we could still prosper. We'd rid ourselves of debt. At age 38, we were able to pay off our house. I've been able to experience the abundant blessing of the Lord. And it changed my life. And it allowed me to go do this fully funded life. And I want it for every single person who hear it. And it is for all of God's children. And he wants it for you. And I started saying, you can do this. And you can do this. You can be debt free. You can live a fully funded life. You can do this. Woo! And people are staring at me like you're staring at me. Like, what in the world is wrong with Joe? And our church just stared at me, and they they were like, I don't know what to do with this guy. I mean, put him over here. And then a couple came in, and they were asking for financial assistance. They were struggling. And the church says, ding, ding, ding. We have a person to help you. His name is Joe. He is on the way to help you. Those poor people. 
I was so fired up. And I remember racing over to their house. And um, I, had, I was told they were really struggling month to month. And I go in their house and, man, it's unbelievable. Uh, have you ever walked into a house and felt the tension immediately? Like you just walked in on an argument? It's like, uh-oh. But passion made me stay. So I walked on in. And it was two parents and two teenage daughters. I discovered one of the reasons for tension. Right? And I sat down with them and they said, well, we can't make it month to month. We're behind on everything. We're just struggling. We want to give. We don't know how. And I said, you need a budget. And they said, okay. And I said, okay, well, let me help you have a budget. Do you have income? And they said, yes. I said, that's great. Um, Because you need income to have outgo. This is a very important financial relationship here. And so I sat down with them and I said, let's put together this budget. And I, I said, okay, what is your income? And they had some income. And I said, okay, so God needs to be first. Do you, and they said, absolutely. And I said, uh, uh, how much are you, are you going to give? Are you going to tithe? And they're like, we want to, we can't. And so I, I said, well, you know, in my life, if I'm not giving and I'm not putting God first, like that's my first thing. That's my wiring. And I said, let's just put it in here since we're planning it before the month starts. And they're like, okay, I don't think we can do that. You don't know the whole story yet. And I'm like, okay. Well, let's put it in there. We'll come back to it. And then I said, okay, now the second thing is you've got to save money because you can't prosper if you don't save. You need margin in your life, right? Ecclesiastes seven twelve. That that knowledge, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. The advantage of knowledge is this. It preserves those who have it. You've got to have margin. And they're like, okay, I don't think we can do that, but we'll follow your lead. So we put <laughs> saving in there. And we go on down and we get to the food category. How many people are in this household? Four. Two parents, two kids. And I said, how much for groceries for the whole month for you? How much are you going to spend? And they said, $150. I went, no, 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 you misunderstood me. Not per person for the month or not per week. I said, for all four of you for this entire month. And they said, $150. We're trying to get it to 100 And I was like, uh, you're going to be sick. Skinny, and they were frighteningly skinny, and I, so I put 150 in there, and I'm like, we're coming back to that. And we go on down to the budget, put in all these debts, and and then we get down to this line item in the other category, and they said, well, we have these goats. I said, goats, and they said, yeah, we we belong to this organization known as 4H. We have show goats, Joe. I said, okay, you're living in the city. Where are the goats? And they said, we keep them on a farm outside of town here. And each day we feed them twice a day. We have to go 45 minutes each way twice a day to feed them high octane alfalfa hay. I was like, that's awesome. How much per month? And they said, $400. And in my head, I had nuclear fission happen. (laughs) But I wrote it down and their budget was upside down and overspent. We get the rest of the stuff in the budget. And I looked at their budget and I said, you can win with your money. And you can give and save this month. And they said, we can? I said, absolutely, I know you can. And they said, well, how? I don't see how. And I said, here's the deal. When are you going to feed your goats next? And they said, well, this afternoon. I said, that is awesome. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to drive over there, and you're going to kill the goats. And you're going to eat them. And you're going to solve your goat outgo problem and your grocery problem at the same time. <laughs> Woo! They did not clap. (laughs) They did not invite me back. (laughs) 
But can I tell you something? It would have worked. And here's the thing I want to share with you. We can look at that story and say, that is crazy. They were feeding animals more than they fed their own children. And we can say that's ridiculous. But if we're in the mood for a reset today, can I press in? Many of us here today, we have a goat in our life. Watch us. It is literally eating your lunch. But you're holding on to it. It defines who you are. You don't want others to know. But I'm asking you today, what is the goat you need to go home this afternoon and just slaughter? Hey, listen. It's not forever. It's just for now. Listen, you can do this. Because here's the big deal. The third point is we will be held accountable. We're going to be held accountable for what the Lord has placed in our hands. And we want to be found faithful, all of us. In Matthew 25, 19, Jesus says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. There's a settling. At the end of our lives, listen, there's going to be two accounting questions asked of the Lord from us. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with what I gave you? The accountability will happen. That's the spiritual principle. And when I look at this story, I see three categories of people. I don't don't know where you're at today. But I see three categories. The first category is those who manage well. There are people who manage well. Praise God. Uh, because those who have man- those who've managed well, there's been a time in our life where we had a reset. I'm pretty sure of it. And uh, here's what I know. When they manage well, verses 20 through 23, he speaks to it. It says, the man who received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Do you see it? It's incredible here. You see, if that's you today. I'm going to give you three little challenges. You might want to scribble them in the side. You ready? If this is you, or if you want this to be you one day, there's three challenges if you're managing well according to God's word. Ready? The first thing is thank God. Thank God that his word is true, that when you follow his word, even though we are sinners and we are fallible people, God blesses those who put him first and manage according to his word. Thank him. It's his anyhow, and that you get to be a manager of it. Thank him. The second thing I challenge you to do is teach others. Please, I beg you. Have you noticed that we probably have a large issue with this money management God's way for our nation? Have you noticed it? $21 trillion in debt. That's $64,000 of debt per American citizen, man, woman, and child. We spend more than we make. We're broke as an individual. We're broke as a nation. It's crazy, isn't it? Teach others. We need about 2 million people teaching this stuff. And listen, start with your kids. Go with your grandkids. Those you have influence over, they trust you. And share your faith. It's the legacy you get to share. And then teach how those resources God has placed in your hands, that they are God's and that you're managing them according to his word. And thank him again in front of them. That's your testimony. You overcome by the blood and by the word of your testimony. And watch this. The third thing, guard yourself. Do not start to define who you are by what you have. Right? I have a 401k, there's a million dollars in it, I'm a millionaire, isn't that awesome? Look at me. How did that go in 2008 and 9 when it turned from a 401k to a 201k and then into a box of special K? Right? Can I get a witness? Listen, it says in the word, Jesus shares in another parable, 
That moths and vermin will destroy and thieves will break in and steal. That everything on this earth will fade away. Only what's done for Christ will last. Guard yourself. It's only God's. If he took it all away, if he required it tomorrow of me, if I had to give it all away, I trust because I live with a God of abundance. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills. He can sell a few for me and he can come back and bless me again. I know that for a fact. Those who manage well. The second category is those who've managed poorly. That's a reset category. In verse 24 it says, Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. He allowed fear to stop him. Jesus is the prince of the opposite of fear. Anytime you feel fear, let me tell you, that is not of the Lord. And many people have allowed fear in their finances to stop them from progressing. He allowed fear to stop him. It continues on. Uh, see, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Jesus' words. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Watch this craziness. And give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Well, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus just threw down. (laughs) That's crazy. This person managed poorly because they did not use what God had placed in his hands. But watch this. As I was preparing this message, I felt God speak to me and share that there's a third category that's not mentioned in this story. Here's the third category. It's those who are missing from this story. And it's the majority of Americans. It's 70% of Americans. You see, this guy who's scolded and called a wicked, lazy servant and thrown in the outer darkness or be weeping and gnashing of teeth, he kept what was given to him. But 70% of Americans have not only spent everything God has given them, they financed even more, and they have the audacity to look at a holy God, one in which they've not returned the tithe, they have not saved, they've not planned, they've not consulted on any financial decisions, and say, God, this is your fault, you need to bless me with more. That's crazy. And if that's you missing from the story today, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you've spent it up, I dare you to press the reset button today. That reset button should take you straight to God's word and allow conviction to be a positive thing in your life. To be able to amplify that fruit of the spirit called self-control and say, Lord, help me say no. Help me say not now. Help me say wait. And let me express it to my children and to my family and to my friends in such a way that they understand that God is doing a new thing in my life. And that when it happens, because it surely will, when God does the pivot, when the reset happens, only he will get the glory. Amen? It's all for him. It's all from him. That's why we do this. Listen, God has blessed us. We all have to deal with this. and We're going to be held accountable. And the fourth thing is, we can be free. I, I know that this message can be a hard message, particularly when you're struggling. I remember when I was broke, I had an average bank balance of $4.13. And I did not know that I could be free. I didn't believe it. And I said, Lord, I need to be free. And I was trying to soothe myself by telling I'm so broke jokes. Have you ever told some I'm so broke jokes? Right? I'm so broke that, you know, my door button is broken. So I have to yell ding dong out the window and somebody presses my doorbell. That's pretty broke. I'm, bro- I'm so broke that I, 
that I was walking with one shoe on, they said, hey, you lost a shoe. And I said, nope, I found one, right? I'm so broke. And another one is, I'm so broke, I have to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. I mean, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. That'd be weird. But then you immediately marinate in the fact that you're broke. And it all comes back. And then you have to realize that God is your provider. He is your Jehovah Jireh. And he is your healer. Right? And he... he can meet you right where you are and help you take your next step. He can help you press a reset button and move you to freedom. To end my testimony, I want you to know this. My freedom happened long before my bank account showed it. It started with a changing of my mind to read God's word and say, I believe this principle is true in my life. That I can be free. That wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Today, I want that for you. That's why this afternoon at 5.30, they're going to have food, which is free. Get fired up. And at 6 o'clock, I'm going to teach a financial learning experience. And it's for people that are in surplus mode as well as those that are struggling. We're going to talk about investing for those that are in surplus mode. It's going to be awesome. But we're also going to talk about how do you start getting a plan that honors the Lord? How do you have a budget? How do you get debt free? How do you save money? How, How do you be able to prepare for great things like our kids' college or retirement? And it's all free. The, the, all the tools are free. There's 100 free tools. We brought extra resources. Please, I beg you, bring your friends, bring your family. I think that they will be greatly helped. Even if they're far from the Lord, they will find out how practical and relevant God's word is to their life. And it could cause them to consider the claims of Christ. It could be their first step to salvation. Amen? God likes math. Devil also likes it. God will add and multiply to your life. Satan will divide and subtract. If you have subtraction and division in your life, I urge you, turn your finances over the Lord. Start to see the abundant blessing of addition and multiplication. Amen?